0: Hello and welcome to the Reading Ramble. This episode of the podcast is part of our ongoing look at the authors and creatives taking part in the Lancashire Stories project. Lancashire Stories is an Arts Council England project grant funded scheme which sees Lancashire County Council's library service working in conjunction with UCLan Publishing, Blackburn with Darwin Libraries and Blackpool Libraries to publish a brand new collection of short stories. The stories will be written by professional authors with a connection to Lancashire and will be available free of charge for people across the county both in physical and e-book form. To hear more about this exciting project as it progresses Follow us on social media at Lancs Libraries, or subscribe to this podcast to get notifications when a new episode is released. And um, so, I'm here today uh, with Naomi Kruger, who is one of our uh, Lancashire stories. Uh, authors to to talk about her work. Uh, hi, Neoli, how are you?
1: I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: It's really good to be speaking to you. Um, uh, so we're going to start off by talking a little bit about your your background as a writer and what got you into writing. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, about your your writing uh, career and what was your first sort of uh, inspiration to becoming a writer?
1: Yeah, so I was one of those people that I, I kind of always wanted to be a writer since I was little. Um and mainly because I just loved reading so much. I preferred reading to real life, really. <laughs> and um maybe still do. And yeah, so when I, I I was the youngest of five kids and so even though my family weren't great readers, um I do remember being read to as a kid, but I inherited all the books my siblings had been bought over the years, and I had this really eclectic library that I just had access to. And my mum used to take me to the library as well, and it was the Harris Library in the center of Preston. So I remember just the th- loving that freedom of just picking books off the shelf, not knowing what they were about, just going for the cover or reading the blurb or whatever, and reading just really widely. And there were a couple of books um, that I got obsessed with, and one of them was Anne of Green Gables. and. Yeah, I think Anna Green Gables and Little Women maybe brainwashed me to want to be an author because I really connected with those protagonists, um, striving to be authors against the odds. Um, but every time I tried to write, I got, got praise at school for my writing. I enjoyed writing little poems and stories. But once I left school, I um, it was hard without... of someone setting me a task. I would start things, I would have this ambitious idea for a novel, I'd get a few pages in and I'd just feel like it wasn't very good and I knew that I had some ability but I equally am a perfectionist so I would talk myself out of continuing. Um, I just didn't know how to improve and I didn't really understand how how you work on something till it's good enough and I knew nothing about the publishing industry So really, it was when I went to university. So I went to university. I'm another Lancaster University graduate. um, And I was going to do a literature degree. And I got the chance to study creative writing as an extra subject. And I almost didn't take it because I was so scared that maybe I just was rubbish. (laughs) Um, So I took it as an extra subject. And just the, the improvement, just having being in a community of other students who wanted to improve, having a tutor who was a writer, who could just give you pointers and feedback that was constructive. And also it was short stories really that I fell in love with as a writer. I'd read almost exclusively novels up to that point and a lot of classic novels as well by that point. And reading, because I had to submit short stories because the word count, you can't write a novel for a module, you know. I thought, right, I'm going to find out what, what, what's the best way to write in this form. So I started reading um, classic authors like Anton Chekhov and Catherine Mansfield, those kind of modernist authors, but also people like Raymond Carver and Alice Munro. Um, the the Australian author Tim Winton's collection of stories, the, the Turning, was a real inspiration. And I just fell in love with these um, really intense hits of story. And what was great and encouraging for me was that I was good at crafting a sentence and making it sound beautiful, but I always had this anxiety that I wasn't good at plot. I was good at character and emotion, but things ha- didn't really happen in my stories. Um, and so I discovered that there were writers who could do very a lot with a little. The the surface action of the story might be quite small; it might even be domestic and interior. Um, but if you could communicate the way the way a character was changing or shifting emotionally, if they could have some kind of realization, then it could be amazingly powerful. So yeah, I really grew in confidence as a short story writer, and by the time I decided to do an MA in creative writing, I was able to write a collection of stories for my MA, all set in Morecambe, so a lot of my fiction is always set in Lancashire. Um, A couple of those stories got published, and around that time I commissioned by Lancaster Lit Fest to write a story called for a Lancashire landscapes um, anthology and I chose to write about Sunderland Point, um, uh, that kind of really strange cause you know that only accessible at certain times of the day when the tide comes in so I wrote a story based on Sunderland Point um, and then went on to do a PhD where I thought I was writing a collection of short stories but they against my will turned into a novel. which is partly narrated by a character with dementia but does follow multiple voices and interconnecting characters. So so yeah that was that's sort of my journey as a writer and it's really lovely now to I'm writing my second novel at the moment but I'm also coming back to the short story form and really really enjoying returning to that 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 form that was my first love as a writer really. So that
0: that novel was wasn't
1: it? It was. Yeah, that came out in 2018. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, which people can still get from Lancashire Libraries uh, if they're interested in reading uh, your previous work. Do you want to tell us a bit about that story uh, before we circle back to short stories then?
1: Yes yeah okay so the novel is partly narrated by the eponymous character May who is in the later stages of um, Alzheimer's and she's she lives in a care home and her part of the novel takes place on one day and it's narrated in her voice or really her her kind of stream of consciousness and because of her state of mind and because she's struggling to make sense of the world around her um it's quite fragmented it's quite it's quite tricky and she's trying to she keeps getting these memories about a little boy called ned and she's trying to figure out where he is and where she is and a lot of confusion but woven around that are the stories of other characters connected to her, the other voices. So you have her grandson and her daughter, her husband, and one of the care workers in the home who she connects to. And so all their kind of voices and stories come at different shifting moments in time. But throughout the novel, you get I, what I was hoping to do was give a wider sense of who May is in her community and her family and um, the way that she's affected people. So they're able to t- tell us stories about her that she can't no longer access. And the whole the whole book was really my grappling with my own fear about dementia um, and my own realisation that my memory, even though I don't have dementia, is very flawed um, and that, that memory is also a key part of how we read and how we tell stories. So it was really just grappling with that and trying to see if I could write a book that um, represented some of the Real difficulties of dementia, but also spoke to some kind of hope and possible connection at the same time.
0: um so obviously you, you said that you um you wrote that whilst attempting to write a collection of short stories. <laughs> yes, yeah. is there something about the process of writing a short story that differs massively from writing uh, a novel for you?
1: Yes I think so and I think it's that sense that they can take a long time like when I write a short story sometimes I might write the first draft in a quite short burst but I'll often put it aside for months and and I think there was another writer that you interviewed who said they've got loads of unfinished stories I really relate to that I've got folders full of unfinished stories that I've never been able to just get right so um they can still take a long time but there's something about the containedness of them and um, being able to to try and you know really capture a moment or capture one or two characters you know in 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 connection with each other um yeah and the openness of them i think it's what i really enjoy about them is how much you have to leave out Mm. how much you have to give work you have to give the reader to do so there's some of that comes into the novel as well but when i'm working on a novel i it is that this really long project where i feel like you can work on a short story in burst but a novel you really need to to give it, you need to set aside time that you can really enter that world of that story and all those subplots and characters. And um, yeah, I like that a short story, you can you can work on it in quite, you know, quite a short spaces of time and, and enter that story fully.
0: Yeah. So what does that look like to you when you are writing Then, do you do you need to set that time aside every day?
1: um I I'd love to say yes to that but yet no I don't write every day and for a while I used to feel like because I don't I'm not a proper writer but what I've really learned is it's great to take inspiration from other writers routines if it helps you but if if comparison doesn't help you then you can let that go because yeah for me I some days I I really feel like the burning urge to write and others I just need to think and I just need to read or research And also I work full time and I've got family responsibilities, so um, I really admire writers who can write every day despite all that. But for me, if I can set aside a couple of days a week or even a couple of just of hours a week that are my sacred writing time, that's great. And then I try and adjust as my life demands, really. So I'll have some weeks, you know, I'm really, really busy at work. I'm a lecturer. Um, I don't write at all and other weeks when I can set aside a lot more time than usual. And I really just try and be flexible and be kind to myself because otherwise I think if I try and sit down every day at a certain time and I've got other things going on and I'm stressed, it's just not very good for me creatively. I end up just staring at a blank screen and getting even more stressed.
0: So where does the inspiration come from then? Does it come from reading other, other stories or the world around you?
1: It's really a mixture of both. I think when I when I read something that really moves me or, or makes me kind of um, really excited just in the way it's using form or experimenting, it often does spark ideas or at least gives me this urge to write. I'm like, I want to do something as good as that. But a lot of my story ideas come from experience, come from what I observe around me, sometimes my past memories, sometimes... I overhear a conversation on a train. Um, sometimes it's to do with uh, research as well. Um, I might see a photograph, an old photograph, or read a kind of newspaper article from a different moment in time, and I think, oh, that would make a really good story. So, so yeah, it comes from all different po- places, really.
0: And obviously, this this project is all about um, sh- showcasing stories about Lancashire so you mentioned before that a lot of your the stories that you've written are based in lancashire and, yeah. and you're you're from the county what do you think it is that specifically about lancashire that makes it lend itself as a good setting for a story
1: i think there's a couple of things i think i think that the landscape is um it's quite mysterious i mean if you think about the, the forest of boland it's like it's a beautiful area and it's kind of steeped in history but it's It's not as well-documented or as well-visited as places like the Lake District, for example. So there's still a lot of stories that haven't really been widely told. I think maybe the Lancashire Witches is the only one that comes to mind that that you see cropping up a lot. And there's still a lot to be talked about and discovered. Um, And I also think places like Morecambe Bay, you know, um, have been written about it in terms of its kind of gothic nature and its kind of shifting nature And somewhere like Preston which is my hometown I think has got really interesting history but again tends to be uh, overshadowed by Manchester and Liverpool because they're bigger cities so I think there's an aspect of it where it's really intriguing but it hasn't yet really been written about and in in large volumes Mm. and the other thing for me about it is just that I know it well so there's practical reasons you know if I if I set something here I don't have, I don't have to go far to do my research. I live about 10 minutes walk away from the Lancashire archives, you know. So if I set something here then then I'm giving myself slightly less of a task. and um, and I think because I live here and I know the people well as much as you can, um I, it, my stories tend to naturally want to be set here because it's it's kind of my starting point. So I'm not exclusive. I will I will I will go outside of Lancashire, but um there's just so much to say I think about the county.
0: Yeah, I think that I think you're right that the landscape in particular is really varied. Um, you know, we, we've got coasts, we've got cities, we've got countryside within our within our borders, um, and I think it does lend itself to to really interesting fiction. We're going to talk a little bit about your story that you've written for for this project. Was the was that something that you had already got an idea for before? Submitted before submitting that story or was it something that you developed specifically for this project?
1: It was an idea that I've been wanting to work on for a while and it was well for since last year I was researching for my current novel which is set in the 1840s and I was scrolling through historic images of Preston to just get a sense of Preston as it was and I came across an image that is far later than that time period. It was 1909. And it was a, a photo of the Empire Day celebrations in 1909, which were on Preston North End football ground. Um and I would never heard of it. I didn't know Empire Day was a thing. I had no idea this had happened. And it was one particular image um, that was of school children, um, one of them dressed up as Britannia. Um she's wearing armour, she's got a helmet, she's got a cape and a trident, a Union Jack shield and she's surrounded by pages and attendants and it was this this combination of this really highly symbolic costume symbolising this kind of national pride along with primary school children, you know, dressed up. Um, it just immediately captured my attention and I thought I want to write about that. I don't know what I want to write but I know I want to write about
0: it. You talked before about writing about Lancashire means that the research for you is a little bit easier, you know you live close to the archives. What is the research process for you when you are when you're writing? Do you have to really delve into something and and find out about a specific time and place or can you be a little bit more forgiving with history?
1: Yeah, it is. It's getting a balance, I think, definitely. When I'm writing about a historical period, I don't know very well, which I didn't know very much about 1909. Um, I do definitely have to do some preliminary research. I need to feel immersed, so I need to get a sense of some details and some touch points and things that I can work with. Um, But once I've got that, it really is character driven, so I try to just be quite free with it and use what I need as I'm kind of drafting the story. But yeah for this story what was really great was that I had all these images because there was a silent film made of Empire Day um I had I could access newspaper reports the program from the day um and a lot of there was there were actually things in that research that changed the direction the story went in in the end so so yeah it's that combination of doing a lot of research making your notes but then allowing the characters some freedom to go where they need to go as well and not being too tied down to even if you've got a great detail that you want to include, unless it's necessary for the story, you have to let it go.
0: I guess that's part of the the process of writing a short story as well, is that you are limited in the the word count, aren't you? That, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to be a little bit judicious about what is included.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and what you don't want is for the story to sound like it's trying to be educational. <laughs> um, I do think sometimes readers go to historical fiction, including me. I really like historical fiction because they're interested in a time period. Um, but, but really, the story has to come first. I think the educational aspect should always be secondary and should never be too kind of heavy handed because, It's about these flawed human beings that happen to be in this particular place and time. So, so, yeah, I never want it to feel like I'm trying to communicate information. It's always it's
0: always about the story and the people Mm. you mentioned before that you've been writing a novel um, again. And yeah, although you have been you have written a lot of short stories in the past was the the word count and the, the time frame that you had to write this story uh something that you found uh, quite challenging or was it in line with your bread and butter that you you kind of happily uh, happily worked to those deadlines
1: yeah I love deadlines because <laughs> <laughs> i I need deadlines. i I meet with I have some great writing friends, so I'm really good friends with Yvonne and Inez, who are both on this project. And I love meeting with writing friends. I want people to give me challenges and check in with me because if I don't have that accountability, i can I can try and perfect something over years, you know, and never finish it. So, the deadline was great. Um, and the word count is actually quite generous, I think. I mean, I used to write short stories that always tended to come in around 2,000 words, which is actually really short. So for me, this kind of scope allows you to do quite a lot, I think. You obviously, it's still, you still can't cram a novel's worth of plot into it, but you can do quite a lot. You can you can really kind of delve into a particular story.
0: Mm. And you, you mentioned earlier about how you um, like to write about uh, characters, specifically and that you felt that plot was sometimes where you'd you'd struggle more is the the story that you've written for this project a a character kind of a character study or is it a, more of a, a plot driven story
1: it's definitely more character driven I've, I've got better i like things to happen both on the surface and under the surface now so i do like there to be something some kind of action and i mean the, the main character of the story is called eddie and he's a, he's 10 and he's practicing for the empire day celebrations he's going to be part of the living union jack which was a thing that they did and um, where all the kids dressed up in red white or blue and they were they were rehearsing this really elaborate performance where they had to be in a specific quadrant of the field and they had to bend over at a moment to create this f- effect of the flag so it follows him but it's um but yeah it's it's about somebody a little kid being caught up in wider social and political forces and not really Fully understanding what it is that's going on around him, so um, there's definitely I'm definitely invested in what he does and his his need to kind of have a relationship with his dad, his need to find friends, and the things that he gets up to as a, as a little lad as he starts breaking some rules. Um, but it's also about what's not said in the story. It's about it's about his bewilderment, and I got to listen to a recording of two women re- reminiscing about Empire Day at the archives. And they were talking about Empire Day a few years later in the 1920s. But it was really interesting because they said they remembered waving flags and they remembered being given cake and dressing up in costumes. Um, But when the interviewer asked them, you know, what did it mean to you? One of them said we were just a bit bewildered by the whole thing, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And it was sort of brilliant because that's what I was trying to write about already. And I just thought, yeah, because how much can these kids really understand that they're celebrating. Um, empire and they are trying to be edu- you know the point of empire day was to educate these young children to be good citizens of empire but what does that really mean and how many kids of that age can truly understand what that means and and understand how how complicated that is um, and there's a yeah so there's things un- under- simmering underneath this story sort of beyond the protagonist's understanding around how complex that is and how there are some uncomfortable truths around Empire that lurk in the background of the story that I hope will raise some conversations.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea that, um, as well, that, that, that this, this is archived by sound recordings and written recordings and things. And we're what we're about six weeks, eight weeks off the, um, the Queen's Jubilee celebrations this year, yeah. which I suppose is a, a kind of contemporary similar occasion of uh national um celebration i suppose where it'll be a lot easier to archive things now there'll be you know recordings on online there'll be video there'll be audio recordings of what's going on and for something like empire day it's something that's you've you know as people from lancashire and the same as you i hadn't i hadn't heard of it before um before we we read your your uh, story summary so yeah it's good that you've been able to unearth some of these stories and are able to share them with people and uh, make them more aware of it.
1: Yeah I hope so and I was I was really surprised to see how huge it was. I mean we're used to talking about the Preston Guild in Preston and that being a really big thing but um, this was like four thousand children on Preston North End and and a, and a huge crowd watching them and dignitaries and and I don't know if Empire Day was ever that big again in Preston and that's quite an interesting thing to reflect on. Um, and there was a campaign at the time to make it a national, you know, a national day and a national holiday. And there was also resistance around that. So even back then, there was debates around what this should be and how it should be, how it should, you know, um, come into public life.
0: Right, so, yeah, it, uh, I think as we uh, as we're able to share the story later in the year, it'll be interesting to have conversations with people about their kind of thoughts about that, because it is it is a contentious subject, isn't it? It's something that there's there's parts of it, certainly, that we probably won't look back on with a lot of pride yeah Uh, well thank you very much uh for joining us today very much looking forward to to sharing your story uh with people later on this year um and we look forward to speaking to you again
1: thanks a lot it's been great
0: listening to The Reading Ramble. This episode has been part of our Lancashire Stories series. Lancashire Stories has been made possible due to funding from Arts Council England Project Grants, Lancashire County Council, Blackburn with Darwin Library Service and Blackpool Library Service. You can find out more about this exciting project on social media at Lancs Libraries. You can also subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from the amazing authors and creatives taking part in the project. Bye for now.